You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. did last week, you cover loud and strong uh, the, the, the words that are in yellow, and I'll read the words that are in white. This is a psalm of thanksgiving, quite fitting for the week that we are entering in. A psalm of thanksgiving. Shout with joy to the Lord. Yes, shout is actually in the Bible before it was a song. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Ready? Worship the Lord. Wow, you sound great. Come before him, the Lord of hosts, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. Do you believe that? You are his. You are his. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Ready? Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. Keep going. His failing love. God, you are faithful, and we just ask you to come, make yourself known to us. Holy Spirit, we give you access to our minds, our hearts, our souls, and our spirit, and we acknowledge you as King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Father. Teach us this morning. Use me as a vessel, Father, to bring forth your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, we started a brand new two-part series. Next Sunday, believe it or not, we're starting our Christmas uh, series. So this is our last um, hurrah of our worship series, and I think it's so fitting. We try to cover it at least once a year because worship is that important. It's one of the most important things to the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Would you agree? Yeah. So we looked at understanding what is worship. One thing we uh, looked at last week that I'm just going to recap very briefly. If you weren't here, I really encourage you to download it, watch it on YouTube, or um, Listen to it on our phone app. Um, It will encourage you in this season, I'm sure. Zach Nessie says this, without worship, we are simply religious people working dutifully at religious tasks. We know a lot of people like that, don't we? Some of us know people within our own family circle like that. Some of us know when we look in the mirror this (laughs) in the morning that that might be us. And so that's why we're doing this series. Could you just do me a favor? I just want to take a poll. How many of you in your life, in your Christian-seeking life, have contemplated or asked the question, what is God's will, what is God's plan, what is God's purposes for my life? Raise your hand and keep them up. Keep them up if you've asked that question. Just keep them up. Now I want you'd keep your hands raised if you have confidently found the answer. I praise God for the hands up, but I praise God for the hands going down because you are at the right place at the right time. You see, one question I have always asked in my Christian life when God called me in 1998 to lead a movement of worship I was so frustrated with the church. I was so frustrated. And I had to be gently rebuked by someone who didn't even know me. He said, if you're called to ministry, ministry is people, and you're frustrated with people? (laughs) I was so frustrated because I had such joy and such passion for worship. Because that's what God downloaded in my life. And I was very passionate, and I still am extremely passionate about it. But I spent the last 25 years of my life seeking and studying worship. Leading worship night after worship night, Sunday after Sunday, teaching on this for the last 15 years. 
And so I have to understand that not everybody is where I am at. And I'm not saying I'm up here and you're down here. I'm not saying that. I'm just, my journey looks different than yours. However, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ in the entire world is suffering due to a lack of understanding and relationship of worship. We're suffering. Why do I say suffering? Well, if you read the word of God, you will very, it's just evident and you will clearly see that you and me as sons and daughters of the most high God were created for one thing, relationship through worship to God. We were created to worship our creator. That was the whole basis of the fall. They exchanged the truth of God that we were worshiped to, uh, to, we were, let me try that again. We were created to worship the creator. And the lie is you can be God. You can play God. You can define worship. And now the creation worships creation. You see the difference? And we're still living that today. And so church, if we really want to experience the move of God, and we want the full abundant life that Jesus talks about that is available to us now, we have to understand worship. But it doesn't stop there. Once you understand worship, you need to respond in worship and experience worship. So what is worship? We talked about last week, it's simply responding to the greatness of God. You see, what we give the most worth to in the throne of our hearts is what we will begin to adore. Don't believe me? Just look. What is the most important thing in your life? And if it is truly that, you will see patterns in your life that lead you to the thing you give the most worth to. Test it out. It works every time. And what we adore, what we adore will be what we surrender and sacrifice for. You think we don't have a sacrificial system anymore like the Old Testament? Oh, we do. Oh, we do. It just looks different. The sacrifice, you know what the altar is? Your heart. It's no longer a building. You're the building. You're the temple of God. The altar is your heart. What you sacrifice for is what you adore. And what you adore is what you give the most worth to. Mic drop, maybe? (laughs) Are, are Are you soaking that in? And so I just ask you, like I did last week, what are you giving the most worth to in your life? Because I promise you, what you're giving the worth, the most worth to in your heart is what you're going to adore, and what you adore is what you're going to surrender and sacrifice for. And then we look at our life and we say, man, I regret doing this, I regret doing this. Why is my life like this? Let's go back to what we're giving the most worth to. Let's go back to what we truly are adoring. And let's go back to what we're surrendering to. Last week, I also said that in order to understand worship, we need to understand surrender. In order to understand surrender, we need to be broken. And in order to be broken, we need to be dropped or banged up or hit or crushed. And a lot of times when we're broken, we shatter. And that's exactly where God wants us for the heart of worship, is broken pieces before the Lord that he himself can restore and mend. And then when he does, you have so much worship to give to him because of what he's done. Worship is not about doing something for God. Rather, it's our response to our deep need for him and gratitude to him for meeting that need. Last week, I, I unraveled it a little bit more than I'm going to, but God does not need our worship. We need him. 
God does not need our worship. We need him. We are thirsty. We are desperate for him to refresh us, restore us, bless us. And when we realize how blessed we are, our hearts of worship explode. So for today's purposes, what does that kind of worship look like for us? What does that worship look for you? Think about that for a minute. What's worship look like for you? What's your past patterns of worship look like? Do they align with the definitions that we have developed and defined today and yes, and last week? You see, when it comes to what worship looks like, it really depends on who you talk to and what church denomination you go to, right? And there is a lot of confusion about what worship looks like. I was joking with the, the worship team back there. I said I was trying to, you know, um, uh, take, them, uh, take them off their, their, their balance a little bit. And I said, hey, by the way, we're going to be talking about the expressions of worship today. We're going to be talking about praise. We're going to be talking about lifting hands and singing and snakes. And there's <laughs> snakes. I said, no, that, I'm just making sure you're listening to me. So, but... Depending on what church you walk into, <laughs> there is confusion about what worship looks like. And I think there's a correlation to the so many hands that came down when I said, how many have found the answer? Because we can find the answer and we can be confident not confused, but we can be confident in the answer. It's found in Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1. We read it last week. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present yourselves as living sacrifices. Say living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. Remember that altar? It's our lives now that is a sacrifice to God. Now it says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, say transformed, by the renewing, say renewing. This is a participatory experience. By renewing your minds, which then says is pleasing and acceptable to God for knowing his will, his purpose. So when you start to activate your spiritual worship, which is what? Presenting yourselves as living sacrifices. When you do that, and when you remove yourself from the patterns of this world, and you begin to renew your mind with Christ, the will and the purpose and the plans of your life have been defined. And you will walk in the will of God. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. His will for you is to worship him in the splendor of his holiness. That's his will. How are you living out his purposes? That was a side note, by the way. We get so confused of what worship looks like. Maybe you grew up with negative experiences. Maybe you even grew up with, you could tell they were worshiping, but you had no stinking clue what they were doing. You didn't understand what was happening. I grew up in a church where everyone's grumpy and arguing and bickering in the parking lot, and they come into the sanctuary and woo, praise God, right? And then they come back out and they're in a fist fight in the parking lot. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. And that's what I grew up with. You think my understanding of worship was a little askew? Maybe you've heard horror stories of worship gone bad. That would be a great YouTube video, by the way. <laughs> I want to give you three examples of something that I believe has caused the confusion of worship in the church. And I think this will really help you start to understand maybe why you haven't really gotten this worship thing. And maybe it will start to explain 
why some people around you get it. Number one is we have to understand the power of relationship. And number two, we have to understand the power of understanding. One is relationship. I can have relationship with God and experience him and do what feels good in the moment. I can go through the movements. I can get excited. I can have emotional highs. But if I don't have understanding of what I'm doing, it stays surface. So I can have relationship, with I, which I say is, is, is the, uh, the width, is the width. My relationship with Christ can be very wide. And I'm loving him and I'm experiencing him. But my depth of worship and what I'm designed to do could be so shallow. And now on the opposite side where we, where we, where we do see this as well is our depth of knowledge of what worship should be. We know the Hebrew and we know the Greek and we know what we should do. And when the songs start, hands up. Even though we're supposed to be joyful and we're grinning and smirking and ticked off at our spouse when we're doing this, right? But, it, but this is what we're supposed to do, so I'm going to do it. We have depth, but no width. We have depth, but no width. And so when we start to add our understanding of what we're created to do and be, and we add that to the relationship that God has called us his children through Jesus Christ, fireworks start happening. And people begin to respond because they understand whose presence they're in. Understanding versus relationship. Don't believe me? Take a sporting event that you absolutely love and understand. My wife will never go to a baseball game. She hates baseball. Why does she hate baseball? She doesn't understand it. She is not a big expressive on the outside person. So going to a game and getting all riled up because you don't even know who's hitting that uh, stick and you don't know what's going on, but everyone's cheering and she gets up and she sits back down. Now for me, I love the experience. I have no clue what they're doing. I just know there's a team out there with red caps and another team with another color and they're doing sign language. Um, yeah. I don't know, but guess what, man? When they hit a home run, I'm, woo, go Reds. Who's that? Who's that? All right. You know what I mean? But some of you have an understanding of the sport of baseball. You know all the batting averages. You know all the ins and outs. You know all the sign language. You know all, you know how to read the big uh, mega screen. You know how to, I mean, you know it all. And man, you love it. Why? Because you have a relationship to it. You, relate, you, you can relate to the team. Maybe you grew up loving that team. Maybe there's some sort of sentimental reason. But then you also understand the game. And when you do that, sparks fly. Don't believe me? There's a lot of football fans here. We have relationship to our football team. We love our football team. And man, do we get into trash talk. But some of us have no clue what's going on in the game. But a lot of us do, and that's why we love football. Don't believe me? Ready, guys? This is participatory. OH! Thank you. Go blue. <laughs> Wisconsin Badgers, love you too. See what I mean? Relationship. And most Michigan fans just don't have understanding, right? <laughs> okay, get up. Don't, don't. Stay focused, Phil. <laughs> Wives. Wives. Or even women if you're single. Let's say you're out with that very, very, very special someone. You've committed your life to it, especially if you're married. You're in a covenant relationship. And you're out over dinner, and your husband is talking about something that you just don't relate to. And honestly, it bores the heck out of you. Help, don't, don't agree out in church. And you're just, honestly, you'd rather be somewhere else. But because you have relationship with that special someone in your life, you're able to have joy 
in their presence, even if what they're saying makes no sense. And you're able to nod, and you're able to try to learn. Lauren is great at this. (laughs) But what happens when you both have the same interests, the same passions, and you understand each other? Something magical happens. Understanding and relationship are necessary. Men, dads, if you don't have a daughter or you don't have kids, just imagine with me, your daughter is a ballerina. You don't want to be caught watching a ballet. But your daughter is in that ballet. I will be in the front row. Why? Relationship. Do I understand why they're dancing on their toes? Or what all the names of the dance moves? And maybe I may fall asleep, but I'm still there because of relationship. But what if because of my relationship with my daughter, I begin to learn ballet? Maybe not dance it, but learn what she's doing. Learn what she is involved in and consuming herself with so you can talk with her and delight. And oh my gosh, honey, that pirouette was beautiful. When you understand and you have relationship, you have something special. And so as we go forward in what worship looks like today, I want you to keep that in mind. Relationship and understanding. You see, whatever we do in worship must be driven by the postures of our heart. If our posture, our hearts aren't right, then whatever we're responding or experiencing or singing or doing has no value. It's empty, right? And so before we get to our expressions of worship, I want to land on the postures of our heart real quick. And because of this week, I want to start with the first posture, thankfulness. Can you say thankfulness? I read actually this morning in a, in a devotion that I read by Sarah Young. It's called uh, uh, Jesus Calling. I, I love it. Anyone have that copy? Yeah. Thankfulness. Read this quote with me. This is powerful. Thankfulness takes the sting out of adversity. That is why I, meaning the Lord, have instructed you to give thanks for everything. There is an element, I love this, there's an element of mystery in this transaction. You give me thanks regardless of your feelings. We talked about that last week. And I give you joy regardless of your circumstances. How cool is that? This is a spiritual act of obedience, and at times, it's a blind obedience. To people who don't know me intimately, it can seem irrational and even impossible to thank me for heart-rending hardships. Nonetheless, those who obey me in this way are invariably blessed, even though difficulties may remain. Thankfulness opens your heart to my presence and your mind to my thought. You may, you're, uh, you may still be in the same place with the same set of circumstances, but it's as if a light has been switched on, enabling you to see from my perspective. It is the light of my presence that removes the sting of adversity. You can be thankful no matter your feelings or your circumstances. It's the posture of the heart. Out of the posture of the heart, then we respond in expression, physical gesture, internal worship, outward expression of worship. Internal, outward. It's not the opposite. The next posture of the heart is reverence or awe. Are you reverent and humbled by the presence of God in your heart. When you think of him, do you kind of go silent and still? When you think of the majesty and the weight of his glory, that's powerful. 
A heart of reverence then leads us to a heart of surrender. Waving that white flag, God, this is yours alone. I am weary and heavy laden. I cannot do this on my own. I need you. That's surrender. And the next one is adoration, uh, available. Are you available? Are you allowing God to enter his temple? You. Are you making room for God? Next, adoration. We've talked about that word and talked about that word. It's, a, it's, it's the expression of your heart of what you've given the most worth to. And lastly, I'm going to talk about this in our closing, but it's joy. Joy. Just ask yourself, when did you last feel the joy of the Lord and experience the joy of the Lord? Because sadly, a lot of Christians don't experience joy at all. So now, out of the postures of our heart, we go into the expressions of worship. And I do want to say this first before we get into the expressions. All of us are different. The Bible talks about that. All of us are wired differently. My wife and I are polar opposites in how we process and how we respond. We're different, and that's okay. Some of you respond in different ways. Some of you express yourself in different ways than the person sitting next to you. So when I go through these expressions of worship, I don't want us to beat ourselves up if we just don't feel like we're wired that way. Brent, our worship director, always says that we are called to express our worship in how God has wired us. And so I just want you to keep that in mind, but I don't want you to rule out any one of them. Because you see, the more and more we understand the greatness of God, the more and more and more and more we're going to understand our role in responding to the greatness of God. So the first one is praise. Can you say praise? Praise. It's used out of context all the time. But nonetheless, the Bible talks about praise constantly. Let's look at that first verse. Uh, Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise, praise the Lord. Let's do this. When I read the expressions of worship, can we read together the scripture? Let's just do that. Ready? Let everything Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What does praise mean? It's going to be on the screen. It means to shine forth it means to boast, it means to glory, it means to celebrate, it's clamorously or loudly to be foolish. You have every right to be a fool for God. That's right. Now that starts to make sense, doesn't it? Hmm, I love worship. To give thanksgiving or offering of thanks to confess, to cast praise with lifted hands, enthusiastic praise, adoration, glory, renown, fame, public declaration of praise. I love this quote. Our praises build a seat of honor for our king to come and rest his glory on. Are you giving something for the king of kings to rest his glory on? Praise. Praise, and we give praise to what we give the most worth to and what we adore and what we surrender and sacrifice for. Where's your praise meter? Where's your praise meter? Number two, so we got praise. Number two is singing. Most Christians will tell you that that's what worship is. That is just one component. One component. Some of you who can't carry a tune worth a lick, that is good news for you. <laughs> that is really good news. First Chronicles 16.23, read it with me, loud and strong. Let's get stronger each time. Ready? Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of his salvation. Yes, yes, yes. 
I love this. Ready? We don't sing because we're good singers. We sing because God is good. We don't sing because we're good singers. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Sean or Brenda up here singing. It's about his goodness. We don't sing because we're good singers. We sing because God is good. God is good all the time. And all the time? Yeah. Some of you came in this morning with deep sorrow and deep pain. And I'm not saying that sorrow or that pain is going to go away, but as you understand the power of worship, you're going to feel God lift a burden and meet with you in a special way. And I hope and pray that for everyone. Singing. The Bible tells, actually, let me go back. So we don't sing because we are good singers. We sing because God is good. Here, here's something that I thought about yesterday. The tune produced by your vocal cords, which help you sing, the tune produced by your vocal cords has less to do with worship than the tune that your life song of your heart produces. It's not about these vocal cords. It's about these cords in your heart, which produce the song. And honestly, some of the best worship singing I've ever heard is from a grandma or grandpa in their 80s experiencing the valleys and the mountaintops. They can hardly sing in their old age. But their hearts of worship fills the room like fragrance. That's what I'm talking about. The Bible tells us, I love this about about those who believe in Christ. The Bible tells us that those who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, when we all get to heaven together, we will be singing a new song that even the angels cannot sing. The angels in heaven, the angels we pray that God would bring to us, they're jealous of you because you will have a new song in your heart. You have a new song right now in your heart that even the angels cannot sing. We are going to sing unto the Lord. Third, so we have praise, we have singing. Third, we have clapping. Just clap one time with me. Ready? One, two, three. Let's try it together. One, two, three. Good. Clapping. We clap often because we give honor. We applaud, right? We applaud. We give credit or applause in theater and in the entertainment world. I uh, performed professionally for about almost 10 years. And let me tell you, there is no actor or actress that has any problem with a lot of applause. The better your performance, the better they enjoy it, the louder their applause gets. And even if you're really, really, really good, they stand to their feet and applaud. What are they doing? They're affirming, they're validating, they're saying thank you. And yet in church, we put our hands in our pockets. Well, I can't carry a beat with this snare drum. Who cares? Clap with joy. Because that's what the Bible says. Psalms 41.1, let's read it, read it together, get a little louder than last time. Ready? Clap your hands. We clap because God has done good things. We clap at the beauty of his creation. We clap because we're excited and we're cheering him on and we're giving him praise and thanks and standing ovation for what he's done. Praise, singing, clapping, and now lifting of hands. Uh-oh, now, we're, whoa, we're getting out of my comfort zone here. Lifting of hands. Let's just read this real quick. Lift, ready? Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. The Lord commands it. The Lord commands it. Now remember relationship and understanding. When we start to understand, oh, this is why they do that, then it makes sense. But so many of us are confused, right? 
Well, to make your confusion even greater, I'd like for you to watch this clip by Tim Hawkins. Watch it. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. Now we're confused. Here's the thing. We demonstrate physically for all the world to see our feelings and our convictions and our expression towards the King of Kings who's changed our lives. Our physical expression of lifting our hands comes from our hearts and our eyes being lifted to the throne of God the mercy and the compassion, the judgment, the power, the righteousness, the holiness, the goodness, the kindness of the Lord. You know, some of the most powerful hand-raising for me during worship is when I don't feel like it. I do it anyways because he's worthy. And when I do that, it starts the posture of my heart of reverence and surrender. And all of a sudden, before the worship sets over, I realize God has just totally lifted my earthly attitude. And now I'm in the perspective of heaven. That's what worship does. But we first have to give it to him. Surrender to him. That's lifting of hands. You see, so much of our negative past may have come from lack of understanding of why we do what we do. Number five is we bow inwardly, but it's also seen externally. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the most prayerful times I've had with people right here in this church is when we have been down on our knees and on our faces together. There's something powerful about lowering yourself to the lowest posture possible of allowing God to have complete reign in your life, to surrender whatever you need to surrender. We bow because of this, Psalms 95, 6. Would you read it with me? Lift your hands to, uh, that is the wrong one. I am so sorry. It actually, let me translate that for you. It means, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let us bow down. It's scriptural. That's why when we respond, we open up the altar. There's nothing special about this stage. There's something special about what you do at the stage. You bow before the Lord. A couple more. Dancing. It is all scriptural. Okay? 
Now, without understanding, it seems like sometimes we're at a dance party and no one knows what they're doing. And people are running around like crazy people. Well, sometimes with understanding, you look crazy and foolish. Someone in the Bible knew this best. The person who represented a, God, a man after God's own heart. He danced before the Lord in the streets for everyone to see, and it even caused strife in his marriage. She hated it and was so embarrassed of him that she pushed him away, and he danced even more. Not that she pushed him away, of course. He danced, why? Because he was ushering in the presence of God, and he could not contain himself. Some of you don't know how to dance. We'll never dance. That's okay. But we need to understand that out of the expression and the posture of our heart, some people move and express that way. And so if you go to a party and the DJ's hopping and you still sit on your seat, that's okay. I'll know that on Sunday morning you're probably not going to be dancing. But those of you who get excited and you're having fun and you dance and you love music, why aren't you dancing before the Lord? Why aren't you allowing that to build up and dance before him? One of my favorite things to do with my kids is dance with them. They love it. So does our Heavenly Father. He loves it when we dance before him. David, King David, couldn't contain the joy and excitement in his heart. Let's read this scripture when he says, praise him with the tambourine and dancing. It's scriptural. But it's not about us. It's all about him. All about him. It's not about our emotions or our feels, our feels, our feelings. So we praise, we sing, we clap, we lift hands, we bow, we dance, and we shout. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Seriously? Come on, people. Amen. Yes, he knows. He, he knows. Our brother was in the emergency room for fighting for his life, and God came through this last week. God is good. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Absolutely. Shouting is scriptural. Ready? Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Here we go. Come on. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Shout. We shout. When, I love this quote. Stick with me. We're almost done. When we shout and declare God's glory, his goodness, and his victory, the spiritual and even the physical atmosphere shifts. If you don't believe me when we worship today, try it. I dare you. Shut up, Brownie. I love you, brother. Some shout to cheer our kids on. Some shout when we get completely excited and elated and something incredible just happened. You find out the greatest news, and what comes out of you is a shout. Why then is there a stigma that when we come together before the Lord in praise and thanksgiving and worship, we all get timid and locked up and awkward? It's because I believe we just don't understand, but now we can't use that as an excuse. We shout because God is good. We shout because he is Lord. So we praise, we sing, we clap, we lift hands, we bow, we dance, we shout, and this is the hardest expression, I think, for many of us, this next one. We give. Do you know that someone who understands and has a relationship with worship will be a very generous giver? If you're not a generous giver and you hold on to what you have, I would guide you and encourage you to understand the heart of worship. The heart of worship is giving. The heart of worship is not grasping and holding on to what is yours. It's giving all that God has given you back to him. He doesn't need it. 
but you give it back anyways because he's worthy. Tithing is not a New Testament term. It's an Old Testament principle. So a lot of people say, well, I don't need to tithe. Tithe is a 10%. No, you don't need to tithe, but Jesus says you need to give everything. He takes it a whole new level. He says, be generous with your entire life. It's more than a tithe. It's a life offering. And what you give reflects your posture of your heart. I don't want your money as a church. Yeah, we use it, and yeah, um, our staff lives off of that and provides for our family for working diligently and leading this church. But if you're just giving to give and you're just being forced, stop it. Start to learn worship first and then give out of the abundance of the posture of your heart. Someone who understands worship is someone who will give generously. Each posture of our heart of worship has nothing, nothing to do about holding on to our possessions. Each posture of our heart has everything to do with releasing and letting go and giving back and offering what we have to the Lord, which all comes from his provision anyways. And so I believe it's safe to say that the posture of our hearts before God is reflected in and through how you generously give. Pastor Stephen from Hope Church in Mason, he says this, a video I watched. Since everything already belongs to the Lord, our giving doesn't provide God something that he lacks. We talked about that last week. It gives us the chance to enter into his joy, to acknowledge his abundant provision and the privilege of partnering in what God is doing in your local church home and globally. We don't pass the plates, but sometimes I think we should because it gives us a chance to give back and it's a part of our expression of worship. So give generously to what God is doing. Give back. Give back to him what is already his. So we praise, we sing, we clap, we lift our hands, we bow, we dance, we shout, and we give all because God is good. And so as the band comes up, they're going to lead us in a time of worshiping God and expressing that worship. I want to close with this. Let's do our application here. What would it look like for this kind of life of worship for you? What would it look like? Would your life change? And the second question is this. What needs to change in order to begin living that kind of worship? Maybe you need to let some things go. Maybe you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Maybe you need to stop worrying about what other people think about you. Maybe you need to surrender your heart before God. Whatever you need to do, the last is respond. Respond. Do it for what the Lord has done. We respond. I want to end with this. One of the things that I have observed these last 25 years in the church, and one thing that just really saddens me about my own life and my heart, is the lack of joy in the church the lack of joy in the life of a believer.
Sadly, I've heard it more times than not from unbelievers that admit that they don't want anything to do with church or Christianity because Christians are some of the saddest, unjoyful, meanest people they've ever met. You know what that tells me? We don't understand worship. And our relationship probably with God is very shallow. This needs to change, church. This needs to change. Your life will change. Your marriage will change. Your family will change. Your neighborhood will change. Will change. And Blanchester is changing because of worship. You see, as you begin to encounter God's greatness and his deep love for you, that while you were yet sinner, a sinner spitting in God's face, damned for hell, he sent his only son to die and shed his blood for you. Once we understand that and we begin to enter and giving everything back with a joyful heart through our singing and through our praise and through bowing and clapping and lifting of our hands, through dancing and shouting and our giving. Guys, your life will change. Your life will change and you will experience joy you have not experienced before, not based on feelings and not based on circumstances. If you want that, Worship God. Give him thanks. Surrender to his name. Be in reverence and submission to him. So would you stand? Would you stand? I'm going to ask you to lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands up to God. Right now, all over the place, some of you are feeling really awkward right now, and it's okay because it's not about you. God, we extend our hands to you before you are worthy. Thank you, God, that you didn't throw us to the trash. You didn't destroy the earth and start all over or not start at all. Thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning, that you have given us hope. You've given us a new name in Jesus Christ. You've given us a new identity. You have made us new creations, and we worship you for your goodness. We're going through difficult times, and we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we will fear no evil, for you are with us, and we worship you right now. Move in this place. Holy Spirit, move and have your way as your people worship you. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.